I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. Uh, a very different podcast today as obviously my usual co-host Ryan Dilks is currently self-isolating, but more on that uh, in just a second. Uh, however, I am joined by his replacement. It's the weekend without football to the weekend with football. It's Nick Parkhouse. Hello Justin, how are you? I'm good, thank you, given the circumstances of this strange time we're in at the minute. We are in the maximum number of people that are allowed to be in close proximity at the same time. Yeah, it's not quite self-isolation, it's not quite social distancing either. Breaking rules. I'm, f- I'm actually four yards away from you and shouting really loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, germs are a hotbed here yeah. at the moment. Uh, so as I said, it's a very different episode this evening. Obviously we couldn't get the, uh, well, the usual podcast out because there's not been any football and obviously Ryan going into self-isolation... Um, has put a bit of a, a break on things, but we're here tonight and we're going to be talking about the obvious, um, what's going on at Charlton at the moment. Well, that is the big story of the week, is, I think. Uh, yeah. Of course, we're going to be talking about the uh, coronavirus um, and the effects it's having on football and everybody else in general, because obviously, as we know, it's put a, a stop on just about everything um, across, the, across the world. It's, it, it's crazy, but... Um, yeah, there's some important things to cover. So, as I say, we'll, we'll get we'll get straight to it. Uh, so, firstly, we'll be discussing obviously the coronavirus and the effect on football. So, firstly, what are your thoughts on its its current sort of impact? Well, it's what is it? It's Monday tea time um, when we're recording this. So, you know, everything could have changed by this time tomorrow. Um, last Thursday, I think that. The football was all going to go ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't think there were any plans to cancel or no, play behind no, closed no, doors. Everyone, it was all, everyone was all pretty much raring to go for Friday, Saturday, Sunday's games. Then on Friday, that all changed, I think, and in emergency measure, it was all shut down till currently April the third. Yes. Um, yes. I don't think I'm alone in thinking that I can't see football coming back on April the third. Yeah, I got... think it, it looks to me like it's a buying time strategy yeah. for everybody to try and work out what on earth happens next. Yeah, it, is, it is an unprecedented scenario to be in. It, it's nothing in my lifetime I've seen before. You know, I'm, I'm at the grand old age of 26 now. Um, you've been around football or longer? Yep. Um, again, nothing. I mean, you know, there's weather postponements used to be that back in the day where you used to postpone <laughs> yeah. the you know third round of the FA Cup would take two months to finish because of the snow but I mean this is absolutely uncharted territory for everybody I think and it, it is crazy to think just the impact it is having but that is the serious seriousness of it um it, it is a complicated scenario in terms of how it's impacting football um and the EFL uh, or as you say, buying time for themselves, and you know, rightly so, they are trying to work on, on a contingency plan because, as we said, we're, we're in uncharted territory. We've no idea what is going to be is going to be happening. And as we know now, the EFR stance is you know April third, but nothing has changed. But there is a, a meeting coming this week with all the the football heads. There's one with UEFA as well. Um, so there's a, a lot going on. As I've mentioned, we've heard that football clubs are all talking to each other, which is good because the transparency is is vital in these 
in these uh, aspects, uh, and as I've said, they're all they're all coming together this week to discuss. But what have you made of the not the treatment of football, but the I'd say the blasé attitude to what should have been a postponement this time last week? I think that so it's funny, isn't it, that the the matches. I don't think the matches were going to be cancelled because anybody had a concern of putting 30,000 people in close proximity in a stadium. I think the matches ended up being cancelled because players Mm -hmm. started contracting the virus. Um, You know, the second Mikel Arteta Mm -hmm. was diagnosed, that kiboshed the Arsenal-Brighton game, I think. Callum Hudson-Odoi... So all of a sudden you've got to put the Chelsea squad in isolation and then you're postponing matches then left, right and centre, aren't you? Yeah. UEFA limped on for a little bit playing some games behind closed doors yeah. in the Europa League and the Champions League and then I think they've just decided... It, well, there's a travel ban for a start, isn't there? So yeah. quite how that would work, I don't <laughs> know. Um, so the, the prospect of this going away is next to zero mm-hmm. this is why I'm not quite sure why this April the 3rd thing why we're even talking about it coming yeah. back because you know the UK is saying 10 to 14 weeks they think before it'll even hit the peak and that mm-hmm. puts us in what the middle of the summer mm-hmm. um, the most obvious thing I think that will happen this week is that they'll postpone the Euros Yeah, I can't yeah. see well the travel ban they've got absolutely no choice because it's all in eight cities across the continent More isn't it exactly um, so they're going to postpone the Euros till 2021. Of course, that has a knock-on effect as well. So the African Cup of Nations is yeah. 2021. World Cup's in the winter of 2022. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got to cram all the qualifying games in and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. as well. So um, from a championship point of view, there are, I mean, there's a gazillion options, aren't there? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Why don't we run through the options that are available, I suppose. So the first thing they could do is just stop it now. And we just assume that the league is how it is today. Yeah. And Leeds, West Brom go up. Um, Who's it? Luton, Charlton, Barnsley go down. Everybody else stays where they are. There are no playoffs, I suppose. I don't know how you get that. Don't know how that will work. And we just stop it as it is. Again, from an integrity point of view, I, uh, that seems like an absolute non-starter to me. That, uh, so many legal hurdles, uh, clubs will be up in arms if that would if that would be the case, and it will just drag drag things out even further because you get appeals and appeals and appeals. There's no way that that you could get. I mean, what there are about ten games left of the ten games left of the championship. So there's thirty points. Mm-hmm. So you know, someone in mid-table could reach the playoffs. Anybody in the playoffs could go yep. up automatically anybody in the relegation zone could escape mm-hmm. theoretically um, so I can't see them doing that they could play the games behind closed doors between now and the end of the season but again it's the it's some of the players that are that have uh, got the virus yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's not like you know you should behind closed doors is to protect the fans but the players also are self-isolating some of them have got the virus mm-hmm. it's quite serious you know yeah. if you're ill with it you're not shaking off the virus in a week and then playing on the Saturday afternoon no. so there's that aspect yeah. there's not a lot is known of the impact of the virus in the long term which obviously adds that further cloud on what are firstly obviously the impact on footballers as their athletes how is it going to impact them in the long term there's been a lot of stories in the media of people having like scar tissue on the lungs and it affecting their respiratory systems um, months after being um, confirmed with the virus, so obviously there's there's still a lot of work to do in that in that aspect. So as you say, the preparation side of things for footballers, it puts teams at a disadvantage because one team could be affected with it now, um, and then the team they've got to play could be fine, and then when the fixture comes around on, on April third, you know the roles could be reversed. So the the impact is ridiculous. Yeah, and and not every championship team has a massive squad, so mm-hmm. you've only got to lose, you know, for some teams you've only got to lose three or four yeah. key players, 
EFL insist that you fulfil the match yeah. and then we've got scenarios like the old Spurs Lasagna thing haven't we that you yeah. just can't put a team out you know and then you know you lose a couple of games because half your team is in isolation mm-hmm. and then what is there a legal challenge there potentially well, exactly. so I think the, the move, moving the Euros will theoretically buy the league some time mm-hmm. to finish Yeah, it would. and I think that's but then again, but that is then dependent on all this going away within weeks, not months, isn't it? Because you've still got to fit 10 fixtures before, what, July? Mm-hmm. Then you've got the issue that most players' contracts end on the 30th of June. Well, there's, yeah, there's another So if the leagues, if the championship extends beyond the 30th of June, mm-hmm. then... Charlton, I think, as an example, have got 10 players out of contract well, yeah. on the 30th of June. So how do they play a game on the 3rd of July, for example? It's not only that, but there's the pre-contract agreements as well, where contracts will start on the 1st of July. Um, for example, Derby has signed the Dutch defender Mike Tewirig. His contract starts on the 1st of July, and if the season in, in Holland is extended beyond that, does he play for... Obviously, registration-wise, he won't be able to play for Derby for for the current season anyway but does he carry on playing for FC Groningen or does he come and play or does he come and move over to to, to Derby it's he gets you know he gets an ACL injury in exactly. the final match of the Dutch season on the 2nd of July for example exactly. and, th- and then same with lo- loans you know so when does a season long loan end typically at the end of May it, again so because there's always issues with the playoffs aren't there mm-hmm. that whether a loan is <laughs> whether you've loaned yeah. somebody long enough to get through the playoffs yeah. sometimes so I think that's a problem. Um, so uh, suggestions. So the Italian league, Serie A, are talking today about they have more games left. I think. Yeah. I think they've got more games. Left. They're talking about spreading this season over this and next season. Logic so seems the most. There'll be a lot of empty weekends, I guess, because yeah. they'll only have to play fifteen games or whatever it is next season. But then I suppose you could also argue then that there'll be international games to fit yeah. in and stuff. So actually, perhaps having a less congested 2020-21 season, essentially to finish this one, might work. Yeah. Um, so that's a possible. Um, another idea that I've heard thrown around is that you promote and relegate everybody... No, so you promote everybody but don't relegate anyone. So Leeds and West Brom go up. We have a 22-team yeah. Premier League next season. Uh, Coventry and whoever else gets promoted mm-hmm. to the Championship as it stands. So all the numbers of the various leagues are slightly different. But then again, in 12 months' time, what we're relegating, how many? Four teams, five teams or whatever from the Premier League. Yeah. So if you finish fifth from bottom in the Premier League, you get relegated. And there's not going to be a legal challenge to that then. Yeah, Seems weird. I think of all people, it was Wayne Rooney, obviously, put his article out um, in the Times. And he was very critical of the government and football in general, the football authorities in general. And it was really interesting for, for to, to read that take on it. And his suggestion of extending the season to, to September and then, then that pushing um, the season's the subsequent seasons back all the way down to all the way back to the World Cup World Cup in Qatar in 2022 actually seemed the most logical way of doing it. Obviously, there's there's so much more to discuss, but but then, but then what happens in January 2023? Oh, yeah. You've then got to get to the summer with no season <laughs> essentially. So we are back to where we are now. Yeah, yeah. Right, football, oh, yeah. um, which is obviously the the most difficult thing at the moment is is. I think the, the problem is as well is that your view, and and quite rightly, is going to be determined by who you support. Mm-hmm. If you're a Leeds fan, leave the Leeds because it is. Let's just yeah. stop it now. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're a I don't know a Millwall fan, mm-hmm. it's two three points off the playoffs. You that's, don't want the season yeah, to stop now. You want it to keep going. They're on. A, they're in form. They're the form team of the division. You know, you want to keep it going. Yeah. So. You know, if you're a Barnsley fan, please keep the season going, you know, because they've got 10 games left. Or avoid the season. Yeah, or avoid (laughs) the season, exactly. So, 
I think it also depends your, yeah, I suppose your judgment to some degree, and then, but and that's going to be the problem when you get the EFL clubs in a room, mm-hmm. is that they're all going to have that level of sort of self interest when trying to decide what to do next. You'd hope to some extent that there is fair reasoning and integrity on not voiding the season because if you void the season as a fan do I then have a legal claim to get my £350 back for my season ticket because the football I've just watched for six months of the season now doesn't exist what have I paid for? Yeah you've got to be quite an RC fan to want a refund haven't you? Well Hello, hello, football club who's about to go bust because we haven't had match day income for three months, but I'd like my season ticket money back. Well, the, the person who suggested it obviously is a director at West Ham and there's a lot of animosity to that West Ham board. As a West Ham fan, I, and, I don't, and I dislike the current board, am I going to want to money back? I mean, West Ham have got 50-something thousand season tickets, yeah. so that's a, lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of cash, isn't it? Um, so it's really, um, I don't think I've seen yet a particularly, a solution that is going to please, uh, not even everybody, but some people. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the worry for me is that the EFL so far has not done itself any justice with any of its dealings, with any situation it's, it's it's come across in the last 18 to 24 months so you're looking at Berry, um the the uh, the ffp it's it's all taken a lot um yeah the idea of it's all taken a lot a long time to get through and i think with that in mind are they capable of coming to a decision by april 3rd no and part of the problem for that is that the situation so Go back, like I say, it's Monday tea time. Go back to Thursday. It was business as usual. Wash your hands. You know, be nice to vulnerable elderly people. Look after them. Today, it's don't leave the house. So, like, literally in the last hour, we've had the Prime Minister say, stop going to pubs, clubs, restaurants, theatres, cinemas, stay at home, whatever. So that's in, what, five days, four or five days? Mm -hmm. So what's... It's impossible to guess by the third of April where we'll be. Where we'll be. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're talking about millions of people being hospitalised. So, yeah. whilst it's difficult because obviously feelings in football run very high, mm-hmm. but actually, as a national priority, it is very low down the list. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's all very well as saying, you know, if you're a Leeds fan, West Brom fan, and you know, Brentford fan or whatever, you know, we want to be playing in the Premier League. But actually, I know it's going to maybe controversial. Voiding the season seems to be the only possible thing you can do and just starting it over again because it's not (laughs) as important as what is going to happen in this country over the next, and the world, over the next three months. Well, when you put it into context, there's the economy, there's healthcare, there's, there's all sorts that um, all needs to get back onto its feet before football um, mm. and you are right in that sense but we are a football podcast so we'll stick to those issues yes well I know I, know. <laughs> I mean be, I, I'm trying to think who would be happy if you voided the season now as Norwich yeah maybe Barnsley Charlton Luton but nobody else is there uh, yeah I mean any team in mid-table Middlesbrough well. possibly oh, Middlesbrough, yeah, Middlesbrough well, you could have avoided the season in Middlesbrough in about October in fairness but yeah, yeah I'd say any, any team that are down there yeah. that's down there at the moment um, obviously we've mentioned that the financial impact on football but obviously going into a bit more detail is there's now no cash flow for clubs which is mm, it's huge for the Championship is huge for leagues one and two. Not 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 at all for the Premier League, but the impact on the Championship, obviously we're going to be talking about Championship in more detail, is is going to be huge, especially for clubs that are not necessarily well. They are relying on the chairman to offset losses. Um, so obviously talking to the financial impact in a bit more detail. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so it, almost every single club in the Championship makes a loss. We know this, right? Um, they make a loss despite 
selling thousands of tickets 23 times a year, essentially. Yeah. So you look at um, the match day income figures in the championship. So the majority of clubs make at least 20% of their income from match day. Mm-hmm. Tickets, burgers, programmes, whatever else. Yeah. Booze. So suddenly, then look at Sheffield. I mean, I think Sheffield Wednesday at the top, 37% of their income comes from match day. Yeah. So suddenly you're taking a third. Now Sheffield Wednesday are struggling with FFP as we know anyway. Well, yeah. They're sponsored by a taxi firm with no taxis, aren't they? I think currently. <laughs> um, take away 37% of their entire income yeah. is a problem. Derby, 31%. Millwall, 30%. Uh, else we've got Forest, 28%. Leeds, 27%. That is a massive chunk of money that you're yeah. taking from even big clubs yeah. between now and the end of the season. So clubs will save a little bit of money in that they're not paying appearance fees, bonus, clean sheets, mm. goals, all yeah, that sort yeah. of thing, because there's no games going on. So they are essentially paying all their players at the moment sort of basic wage. I suppose a very healthy basic wage. A very wage. well, yeah, a very healthy basic <laughs> wage, but they'll be saving a little bit from. Yeah. So, what's the financial impact? Are they then laying off non-playing staff? If there's going to be no more matches this season, is that everybody not involved in the playing side? Yeah, well, we've seen some clubs um, come out and say that they're still going to be paying non well match day staff yep. um, the wages, and, and you know, kudos to them because. That is a big commitment, um, but obviously those those clubs are in the Premier League um, because they can afford it. Um, championship clubs they've got to be stringent, obviously, and obviously FFP as we've seen has become a big dominating factor in how clubs are run in the Championship. Um, and obviously, you take away thirty percent of income, how's that going to impact impact their FFP? Well, they. I th- well, again, I suspect they're going to have to suspend FFP mm-hmm. temporarily because, you know, if you're Leeds or Forest or Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, not receiving that massive chunk of income, yeah. that potentially is the difference between you satisfying and failing the yeah. FFP requirements yeah. through essentially no fault of your own. So I think they're going to have to somehow s- suspend the FFP for a period for this season mm-hmm. I don't know for a few months I'm not quite, again not sure how that's going to work but. again I think just getting football back up and running again would be the the focus for that rather than FFP and I think again it comes down there's the investigations into Sheffield Wednesday Derby and obviously Birmingham has been resolved now Birmingham has been revolved but where, what happens with the investigations? Do they still obviously they can't meet up? The lawyers you can't get into a courtroom now because you're not supposed to. You're not. Yep. You've been advised not to go to work. So there's such a there's such a huge impact now on just day to day life. It is. I think that. I think that league. And I, I know we t- focus on the championship. League one and league two clubs are. I think there are some of those in serious trouble. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, clubs that need the ticket income to pay the bills and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there are. I mean, there are clubs already in trouble in those divisions. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Is there? I'm not sure. There's anybody immediately in trouble in the championship if they a couple of home fixtures can't be fulfilled. Is there anybody with that short of money that that's yeah. going to push them over the edge perhaps, immediately? Perhaps if you get to September, where you're, you're what March, April, May. August, you're down four months worth of match day income. Yeah, then you're starting to question: Can we survive? Um, and obviously, you mentioned League One and Two, where it is critical to their to their income. And I know, again, Andy Holt, the Aperture Stanley chairman, is is a very good source of all things lower leagues in terms of how to run a club. Um, so he's he's the go-to man and all that information. But as you say, the match day income aspect again. Surely there has to be a solution to offsetting some of these this this, this drop in income. You, you know, the Premier League. Um, I listened to the Price Football podcast with Kieran Maguire, and he said that they've got, as of last year, one and a half million pounds in the in the bank. Obviously, whether that 
they've spent that um, given that to the clubs already is a question mark but if that's going to be the case again this this year in 2020 do they offset some of the money down to the lower leagues to boost them because it's not about gaining extra money now it's about but that's not survive. that's not going to affect the championship is it I can't see your Premier League chairman helping out championship clubs that have deliberately run themselves into the ground chasing promotion which is yeah. with the best one in the world most of them yeah um, and the other thing just about the match day income is if they decided to play behind closed doors which I think we've established you can't really but if they do for whatever reason that is the worst case scenario yeah because then you're yeah. paying stewards and ground staff and all those other people without any income and there's obviously the parents fees goals fees and yeah yeah etc yeah. um, so slightly bit more light hearted uh, in what has been a very tricky couple of days clubs are doing some alternative things to playing football looking at Hull and some other clubs Hull, Hull have been doing a thing alternative to playing football for a few weeks now, haven't they? <laughs> probably, probably since January 1st. Yeah, yeah you yeah. are spot on there. Um, but we've seen Hull take on Bayern Leverkusen in a game of Connect Four on Twitter, which I think went on until about 2 a.m. Saturday morning. Right, okay. So, I mean, it, it got a fair few shares as well, so there's a lot of people keen on that. And FIFA has been a popular um, yep. uh, solution. I, I actually watch, uh, sat down and watched a six-minute video of Derby v Millwall. Um, I think it was Ryan Conway for The Athletic did that and did the commentary as well, and I spent six minutes watching it. Okay, and who won that? At Millwall. Did Millwall, Millwall. right, okay. So, still... still. Uh, and then, you know, there are footballers we see today who are supposed to be self-isolating that are not. That <laughs> Shadily playing football. That's frustrates me a heck of a lot because it, it, it almost it adds that divide to normal people and footballers again like they can do what they want and I know that they are young and you know being inside but you know they've probably got big houses anyway uh, and gardens I don't I don't understand why they have to go out and play football no um, but back back onto the FIFA aspect Leighton Orient are uh, arranging a 64 team uh, knockout tournament and they've had some interest. Uh, Man City, Derby, uh, a couple of non-league clubs, Ross County in Scotland, they're all taking part. And uh, that will be, weirdly, be interesting to see. And obviously, without football, there's not much else to do. What, what are they... I'm interested in what the broadcasters are going to do. And I saw a great suggestion the other day, is that they should just repeat an entire World Cup. That's a very good idea. Well, same time today, same pundits, or get the current pundits in... Pretend it's live. I don't know, but like we yeah. we could all watch the 1990 World Cup again, or what was a good one? 2006, 10. I wouldn't mind revisiting 2006. Yeah, but like literally show over the next four weeks, show like a World Cup in real time. That's a really good idea. Hmm. Like, I mean, part of the watching football aspect is watching the three hours beforehand, then talking nonsense. Um, so that is something I've certainly missed. Um, but I think it was Saturday, I think for about six hours I watched Premier League years, which is the go-to substance in the summer. So, I mean, presumably now we, we can't even go to a non-league game at the weekend. Presumably they're mm-hmm. going to have to, if, if everybody's now got to stay indoors, well, exactly. presumably they're going to have to cancel all. So they had one weekend of yeah. improved attendances at Notts County and places like that. Well, th- th- this was brought up earlier, I can't remember where I heard it now. Notts County had... An atten- attendance of well, that was higher than the and yeah, a was, lot of League Two clubs. It was higher yeah. than uh, yeah. the Morecambe game. Uh, well, the Morecambe's average attendance. So there's so much unbalance there with with what's uh, with what we're meant to do, and I think that is that is clear at the moment. Yeah. Uh, moving on away from the coronavirus, we're yeah we're going on to to Charlton Athletic and what is going on there because that is as crazy as it has ever been at Charlton well yeah I mean talk about out of the frying pan into the fire so you know how happy Charlton fans were when Roland de Chatelet finally went new investment couple of guys seemingly with money Mm -hmm. 
some of their initial kind of press statements and stuff were very positive. Bowyer signing a new deal. Gave Bowyer a new deal. And then what, within a couple of months, <laughs> it's just unraveled in it's, the most spectacular... It's all gone to shit very yeah. quickly. So, uh, so my understanding is that the... So your chairman is Matt Southall. Yeah. So, but he's not the fellow with the cash. No, he's the man running the club. He's the man running the club. So your fellow with the cash has made some quite disparaging remarks Mm -hmm. about the chairman. Yes. Mainly concerned with the way that he's spending the cash on a swanky Thames apartment Range Rovers, etc. Mm-hmm. So, is it Tahir, the other guy, I think his name, has withheld his investment essentially. Mm-hmm. Thus, the EFL haven't signed off the takeover, yeah. I think, because he hasn't proved he's got 17 million quid or whatever it is yeah. to see them through to next Christmas. They're under a transfer embargo, which is why they didn't sign anybody in the transfer window, I think, because they haven't satisfied yep. the AFL's rules. Now the pair of them are... Squabbling. Squabbling is a polite word for it on social media. <laughs> yeah. um, demanding each other's resignation. Well, we saw, I think it was um, last Wednesday or Thursday, that there was a, an alleged coup um, on Matt Southall in which he sacked a couple of members of staff that have been there for a long time. I think they've been reinstated. Yeah, they've right, been reinstated, so. I think, yeah. Um, but as you say, it's into the frying pan and out of the frying pan into the fire. It is crazy to think that there was this huge uh, sort of what, animosity, rightly so, towards Roland de Chatelet. You know, he was running the club. Well, he didn't want to run the club, but pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, he sold it to the, to, to the to this investment group. You know, when you think things are going to go well and then things are on the up you quickly brought back down to ground and it is frustrating because Charlton Athletic they're a good football club mm. you know they're, they're in um, well, I'm, sli- I'm slightly older than you so to me Charlton are a prem- they were a fixture Premier League yeah. fixture for years you know you some of the you know players Kirbishley as the manager mm-hmm. you know they were a sort of they were sort of if you like what Burnley or Watford or someone are now yeah. you know they were in the Prem for years you know so they had, some, they had some good players over the years. Yeah. Like Sean Bartlett, Paolo De Canio was there for a while. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Lisby, Bruguera. They had some cracking players. And obviously, you know, it, it is a far cry from, from what it was 15, 16 years ago, which is which is a shame because I, I grew up with Charlton in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I think one of the problems is that De Chatelet still owns the, the yeah. valley yeah. and the training ground, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so when they, the takeover happened, they promised to... Um, one of the commitments was they would buy those assets yeah. and clearly that's still not the case. So to all intents and purposes, the former owner that they hate mm-hmm. still owns the bricks and mortar of the club. So, yeah. I think it is worth noting, I know De Chatelet is very disliked amongst Charlton fans, but he was funding funding the club. You know, He was putting money in. Um, and I think it is important to mention that, that at the moment the club is... I don't know whether there's money in the bank or, but the club are not struggling, but they are worrying where the money's going to come from. Yeah. And I think with this long break now we're going to be having, is it a good time for Charlton or a bad time? Well, the problem that they've got, I think, one of well, one of the many problems, like I say, I think there's ten players out of contract in the summer. Yeah. They've only got probably two or three, what you'd call saleable assets. Yeah. I mean, last summer they sold. Um, Joe Rebo, Eric Conza. Um, no, not Eric Conza. Uh, what's his name? The um, Patrick Bauer left, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he went on a free. Yeah, went on a free. So I think Lyle Taylor's on a free, is he? Yeah, he'll in, in the summer. So there's very little saleable assets left. So by the time they get to the end of the season, they're going to be in single digits players. Again. Again. Mm-hmm. Um, so right back to where they started. And obviously not knowing which division they're playing in because they're in the bottom three currently so. yeah and exactly and there's the the cash flow aspect as well obviously there's no home games coming up for Charlton and I think that is obviously going to have an impact in the long term because there's no money at the moment going into the club as uh, yep. as, we, as we know mm. moving swiftly on Jude Bellingham 
reported to have gone for a tour around the Manchester United training ground last week along with his parents. Yes, I read this that his parents have been invited up and mm. schmoozed and stuff at the club. But the um, it, it, he's almost certainly going somewhere, mm-hmm. isn't he, in the summer? We've we've oozed over him on this podcast because since he made his debut earlier on in the season, we well, we referred to him as a child because he was fifteen, yep. and he's yep. sixteen now. But he, he is well, he's, he's probably built bigger than me. He, he, he's he's got the assets to be a top top player, and I think that is why the interest is there. And it's one of those cases of he he has everything in his locker to go very far in the game. But is Manchester United the right move? Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we've sort of had this conversation twice before, haven't we, with yeah. Birmingham? So we had it with Che Adams. That's I don't think you can argue he's not really worked at Southampton. Yeah. He yeah. played. Uh, has he scored for them? Yeah, I don't think he not has. Has he? I don't think so. And then also with Damari Gray, who um, I think he's played some this season for Leicester, but not very much. He's he's been one of them. He's frustrated me because he's he's got the ability to be a very good player and it's, for some reason it's not quite clicking for him. Um, and you can go back to Nathan Redmond as well because big things were expected of him and he didn't quite yep. go the way it should have. Um, basically, whatever you're saying about Damari Gray is that, again, he's got the ability. So I just wonder whether Bellingham, maybe his parents, are looking at those... And wondering where to go. I mean, the the, the uh, stuff I've read is Borussia Dortmund. Um, that, that for me is the move that if you're a young player and you want to push on in a in a in a team that well promotes young players and has faith in young players, that for me would be the, the right move. You're away from the spotlight as well. But then there are there've been young players go to Germany and it's not worth having them either, have they? So if you look at Oli Burke went to, yeah, to Leipzig, Leipzig for a ton of money. Mm-hmm didn't really work yeah. so I don't think there's any guarantee that if you go there either I think that he's, if he went to Manchester United this summer I think it's the right club it might be the right club now yeah. because there are there is a focus on youth players um, you know the team is chock full of kids at the moment mm-hmm. for one reason or another so he but will he play enough well, exactly. Yeah. Or is he going to go to United, or is, and then on loan? I can't elsewhere in the Prem or to a Championship club next season. Maybe I don't know. That's if that's if obviously if the season resumes yeah. as we as it normally would. But I can't think of many players that have gone into well, many sixteen-year-olds that have gone into top top six, top eight clubs and have really pushed on in terms of first-team places. I mean, at the at their age now, I think first-team football is the the best thing for them. I think he's probably better served at Birmingham City than he is at top top club where he's going to be a bit part player. Yep. The example I can think of is, is Theo Walcott where he moved to Arsenal strangely was called up to the World Cup squad but it didn't really happen for him for a couple of years and I just think being plunged into that environment so early on especially at Manchester United where it is a massive transition for them as a club as well as for Bellingham. Yeah, I, but then, you know, look at Rooney, was very young when he went, um, Rashford, when he was thrown into the yeah. deep end, um, Mason Greenwood this season. For uh, Federico Macaiden? Less so. <laughs> um, I did score one of the great Premier League goals, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't... I, it's clearly going somewhere. To me, it would make sense, go to a Premier Club for a big money... Spend a year or two still on loan yeah. with Birmingham or elsewhere. That, that would be my yep. chosen route. But again, I think I'd prefer to go to Dortmund, something else. Moving on to news. Obviously, there's not a lot happening at the moment that isn't coronavirus related, but the Player of the Month and Management were announced. Scott Hogan won Player of the Month. He scored six goals and registered an assist in seven games for Birmingham City. He's been a huge, huge signing for Birmingham City, and I think my feelings are very, very well known on them uh, signing him. Slavin Bilic won management. He uh, well, West Brom won sixteen points from twenty-one, which again is huge. But I think Paul Cook was robbed. Um, yeah, they are. If you 
asked if you told a Wigan fan at Christmas that they'd be out of the relegation zone mm-hmm. at this point of the year, they'd have absolutely bitten your hand off. So mm-hmm. you know, he got a lot of stick. I think not least from you for yes. several yes. months, but. You know, in fairness, if the season's 46, well, it might not be, but t- technically it's 46 games long, so as long as you're outside the relegation zone at the end, it doesn't really matter, yeah, does it? So. Very true. Still, I think he was robbed. Yeah. Uh, Mike O'Neill has said there is no conflict between managing Stoke City and Northern Ireland, which um, is I, th- I think there is. Mm, I think that would that very much depends how Stoke are doing. Mm. Stoke are in the bottom three, I think there is a conflict. If they're not in the bottom three... There maybe isn't, he is but then a, he's managing neither currently. So, well, true. I mean, it, it is a quiet period from November to um, March in terms yeah. of international games, but still, you've got one eye on getting Northern Ireland to the Euros, and then you need to get Stoke out of the relegation zone as well. So, surely, stress-wise, that is monumental. But he is living the football manager dream, isn't he, with a dual job? With a dual job, yeah, yeah. Um, Anthony Robinson at Wigan has had a small procedure on a heart arrhythmia, which scuppered his move to AC Milan and obviously we wish him well with his recovery is that, um, is that what Guy boshed yeah so okay. that's they, they found the arrhythmia in the, the medical and he's not played since then so that obviously sums up he's not playing because that's he's so play. unlucky isn't it it is, it is so so unlucky they, you know they, they found an issue and thankfully they're, they're, they're correcting it and hopefully he'll be back soon playing amongst everybody um, questions we've had questions from um some uh, listeners um, obviously again <laughs> coronavirus dominates okay. um, the questions but we'll, we'll start with the non-coronavirus related questions first Luke Musto asked why can't Boris win at home um, because they're set up to kill team stone dead and hit them on the counter attack and then when teams go to the city ground they set up the same way yeah. and Forrest have no clue how to break them down <laughs> that's probably more logical but they, 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 their home form has been rubbish hasn't it I mean, yeah, compared to the way for, yeah. for a team that's fourth or fifth in the league that's terrible yeah uh, moving on uh, obviously more coronavirus related one uh, as this break well sorry Mikey Painter has asked has this break possibly come at the right time for Preston They've been on a poor run lately. The, the answer to that question, again, very much depends on yeah. what happens. If they void the season, it's come at a terrible time for mm-hmm. Preston, who are still, I think, in the playoffs, yeah. aren't they? Um, if uh, they end the season today and somehow manage to play the playoffs, yeah. I think Preston, on the runner form, they'd take that, wouldn't they? Well, I think, I think it's even if football returns back in April... Every team's going to be setting the reset button. There has to be a mini pre-season at some point. There's a lot to cram in in the next two to three weeks. I think any club in that first game, it's going to be like the first game in August where it's not very pretty. It's not, you know, extremely. There's not going to be, a, listen, Justin, there's not going to be a game on the 3rd of April. Uh, well, any any <laughs> any time when football yeah, returns well, in the next three yeah. or four months, you're going to have the same situation. Yeah. As I say, there's a mini pre-season aspect. It's going to be, it's going to be like the first game in August where... You expect so much, and then it's either a nil-nil or a one-nil, or you get absolutely hammered unexpectedly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Paddy uh, has asked if the season was declared null and void, how similar would next year be to this one? I assume we pretty well answered these questions. Um, that's a very good question, isn't it? Because the form teams in the league currently mm-hmm. are. Lower down the table than you would expect. Is that fair to say? They're sort of Wigan, Derby, Millwall, yeah. aren't they? They're not. You'd think Leeds would be up there. Yeah. West Brom. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Forest would still. I mean, it depends how they strengthen and stuff. Yeah. But I think maybe people have found Forest out a bit. Potentially. Um, yeah, I'm not quite convinced that they'd be up there. Um, it's hard to say, isn't it? Andrew McIntock, um has asked what your opinion is on how the season should end. I, It's unbelievably unpopular, but I do think they're just going to have to avoid it and start again. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I honestly cannot see any other way around. I mean, the easiest way to get away from 
the stress of trying to organise this whole thing is just a press reset button. Yeah. It's like when things aren't quite going your way on Football Manager and you just press the off button. It's like, okay, I'll just start again. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, there are lots of things been suggested and I'm sure someone will come up with a clever plan, but I, lit- I just cannot see any other way. Uh, Tony Walters actually asked, made a good point. Obviously, your opinion is to avoid the season, but what do you think the ramifications of avoiding the season would be? Um, there are massive ramifications, whatever you decide to do. I mean, you, you, you know, the chairman of Leeds has put 100 million quid into getting them promoted. Yeah. And then what has to wait another 12 months? It, well, that's assuming you can convince Bielsa to stay for another 12 months for a start, but. Yeah. You know, can, uh, uh, can you convince Calvin Phillips not to get a big money move to the Prem and yeah. all those other questions that will happen? <laughs> so yeah, way. it's just it's it's like trying to untangle a ball of wool. It's you know impossible. I, I, I assume we'll know more by the end of the week in terms of the EFL and their stance on it. Um, so I think a lot of we'll, we'll get to it a lot more um, in next week's episode. Alex uh, Postwaite has asked a really important question. What are your opinions on peanut butter? Is it crunchy or smooth? Mm. I'm going to go with... I don't really like peanut butter either way. I mean, for context, I work with Nick in the same office and he brought in peanut butter bags. That's because my daughter likes them. Anyway, uh, crunchy. Interesting. I prefer smooth. Okay. It's easier on a bagel. Right. Um, that pretty much concludes questions um, obviously if you haven't answered your question we'll try to get on that um, next time don't be afraid to ask anymore um, we'll have a lot coming up next week uh, in the episode but we'll we'll divulge a bit more on that um, in the week on the social so next up is the Craig Bryce pub quiz yeah I'm slightly worried this is too easy so I've got six clues for a um, I think, think championship legend would be the word well, but I'm slightly nervous that it's too easy. My view on Championship Legend is very strict. I've been given some duff hands by uh, Ryan. The last time I set, set one of these, it was James Perch, who I'm not convinced falls um, into well, that. He's, he's, he's had a few promotions, and yeah, he's, he's okay. a utility man, so maybe. All right. But, but then you're on a bit of a roll with these, aren't you, getting them straight away? So Yes. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. For those of you who have never played the Great Bryson Pool Quiz... Uh, in this case, Nick will be asking me or giving me six clues in which I need to name a championship legend. Legend is debatable in mm-hmm. some. Um, they have to have made at least 200 appearances uh, in the league, otherwise, you're not a legend. Sorry. And the reason I think this is, might be easy because your first clue is I've made 308 championship appearances, scoring 32 goals. So it's got to be. A midfielder, three hundred and eight championship appearances. Tommy Miller. Tommy Miller. No. Okay. I've played for two championship clubs, but never been promoted from the championship or relegated from the championship. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He's never been promoted, so that rules out a fair few because the good ones get promoted. Uh, Martin Rowlands. No. I made my debut in 2004 for Oxford City and made 79 non-league appearances before joining a Midlands Championship club in 2008. Oxford City. That's not Oxford United. No. Uh, joined the Championship club in 2008. Got to be a midfielder. And has made 308 Championship appearances since. So he have, well, he's an ever-present then. Mm-hmm. Non-league. Played in the non-league for... Four years. Okay, yeah. that's actually not as easy as you made out. Okay. Be. Next clue. I was my club's top scorer and fans' player of the season in the 2011-12 season, which secured me a move to the Premier League, where I played 31 times but was relegated after one season. 11-12. So yeah. 12-13. Club's top scorer and fans' player of the season. <sighs> that's really difficult. Uh, I don't know. I think you played a mind game with me. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't. No, no one's even coming to mind. Next clue. 
I've won 24 caps for Jamaica, scoring three goals. This is so hard. <laughs> Damien Francis? No. It's your final clue. Okay. This is a bit of a giveaway, I think. I've played twice for my club Reading in the Championship this season, scoring the final goal in a 3-0 win over Luton Town in November. Gareth McCleary? Is the right answer. Gareth McCleary, yeah. I didn't realise he played for Oxford City. He played for Oxford City. He played he's played 308 times in the last, what's that, 12 years or whatever. I think, it, yeah. Ah, that's, yeah. That's frustrating. Never been promoted, never been relegated, but did play in the Prem one season with Reading when they got relegated. Yeah, he's been he's been there for a while then, eight years, seven mm. years. Jesus. Yeah, I had to he's, look up to check he was still there, but he is very much still at yeah, Reading. Yeah, he's, he's been part of the bomb squad for a while. And yeah, I think yeah. his, his wages are pretty. He's only thirty two, I think, as well. So, but he was a cracking player. He was a cracking player he, in his day. Yeah. I think it was the end of the 2013-2014 season where it was there was three teams vying for sixth place and it, I think it was Reading Brighton and I can't remember the other team but he scored an absolute belter for Reading to put the, to edge them toward it and obviously Ujua scored in the last minute against Forest to put Brighton into the playoffs which was obviously crushing yep. for them right that's the end of the episode have you enjoyed it Nick? very much thank you so let's, let's see what happens next well <laughs> who knows just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, me and Ryan will be back on well, on Sunday, he will be out of self-isolation. We have no idea whether we'll be back in it again. It's or whether we'll be allowed to leave the house. Hopefully we will, and hopefully we'll have some football to talk about soon. Obviously, it's very difficult, um, but we do have some things lined up for you over the next few weeks without the football, just to keep you ticking over, and hopefully we'll be back as soon as possible watching games as we should be. Just before we go as well, we are taking votes, is the right way to word it? Um, if people would be very kind enough to vote, that would be... Yes, uh, for the Football Content Awards, um, I think would be down as the... So, Best, Best Football podcast. League Podcast at the FCAs, so footballcontentawards.com. Um, there are a couple of categories, Best Football League Podcast and New Content Creator, I think. Yes, so vote for us. Very pretty please. Again, once Ryan is out of self-isolation, he'll be giving hugs, which is not advised at the moment, which is why it's extra, extra nice. So, I've been Justin Peach. I've been Nick Parkhouse. Thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.